Hey, everybody. Thanks for staying with us through the intro and into our guest segment here on The Common Sense Show. And we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And my name is Dave Hodges. And uh, boy, am I taking heat these days. We're going to get into that a little bit with our guest, Daisy Luther, as we talk about some really unforeseen things that are coming our way that most people aren't considering. Some are. But gathering all the toilet paper you can carry is not going to solve a lot of these problems, as you're going to find out. We're going to join Daisy in just a moment. I just wanted to mention to you that uh, uh, people say, Dave, where's your flagship station again? It's K-Y-A-H, okay, .net, and we republish our shows from that station right on our site. We're also on Global Star Radio Network and all its affiliates and Red State Talk Radio and all its affiliates, YouTube and thecommonsenseshow.com and Megaphone for our podcasts. Okay, so that's the litany and I get questions like this every day and I feel like I should record this at the top of every show. All right, there's a couple of people who keep the lights on here before we get started with Daisy and I just wanted to make sure that you know that we really believe in the product of the Alexa Pure Pro water filter. Um, I've got research in my hand right here that shows you how good it is and it's also on the website waterwithdave.com they're also offering a 40% off sale they have not changed this they're not price gouging like so many vendors are right now both in the industry and in the alternative media and uh, th this product will save lives because when you get into the fourth and fifth day of a prolonged crisis waterborne illnesses according to the naval war college can become your number one cause of death so I really believe in this product, and they've kept it so inexpensive. Go to waterwithdave.com for the details. And ladies and gentlemen, we're also brought to you by preparewithdave.com. And yes, there's going to be delay on shipping now. They're meeting demand. The problem is not with the company. The problem is with the backlog of shipping because their business has increased a hundredfold. And listen, this is a loving rebuke, and I do mean loving. I've been warning you now for years, and in particular when this crisis started in December, and I said, when it comes here, folks, there's going to come a day when we can't meet the timetable of two-day delivery. And some people have ignored me. I'm getting nasty emails. Why can't you do... Listen, this ain't up to me, folks. I'm not in control of the economy. I'm not in control of the mass number of people who failed to prepare. And I'm really sorry about that. I truly am because I want to see everybody come through this. But here's the deal. This crisis is not going to end in a month. It's not going to end in three months. It's probably not going to end in six months. And if you order now, you'll be ordering for down the line. But right now, ramen noodles, peanut butter, whatever you can gather, you need to be doing. But you should be ordering here, too. Plus, you need to be getting seeds. I firmly believe in what I'm telling you. And I'm sure Daisy's going to weigh in on, on my opinions here. And uh, listen, <laughs> preparewithdave.com, they've kept their prices the same. They have a two-month ongoing sale that they've not taken off the four- and two-week packages, and you can order multiple sets. And I'm telling you, these two companies uh, are why I want to advertise for them, because they're not ripping the public off, and they're they're really doing their best to meet need. Preparewithdave.com and waterwithdave.com. All right, Daisy Luther needs no introduction, but I will. She is the uh, purveyor of the Organic Prepper, which is really one of the best, if not the best, prepping website on 
the net. She's a nationally, internationally recognized expert on the subject of prepping, individual preparation for survival, dealing with the same kind of crises that we're getting into right now. She's a well-known author. We're going to get into what she's been writing. And uh, she's tag-teamed with a really prominent individual. We'll get into that as well, too, in a new book. And we'll get into her difficulties with Amazon. Oh, surprise, surprise. Jeff Bezos, Washington Post, CIA. (laughs) Okay, well, enough of that. But you get the idea. Daisy, welcome to the show. It's really our honor and privilege to have you back on. You last were with us about 11 months ago, and uh, you're much in demand, and people are sending me emails. You need to interview Daisy. So here you are. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's really our, our privilege and pleasure. But uh, listen, I'm not Nostradamus, but in December, I could see where this was going. When did you realize that we were going to have major trouble in America? Well, I mean, you know, we've talked about the economic problems for a long, long, long time. So that part was no surprise whatsoever. I had been traveling in Europe, so some of my um, news access was a little bit limited just um, because of what I could get there versus what I could get here. Mm -hmm. And that's another interesting topic all on its own because the news there is totally different. So um, you can easily, when you go back and forth from one to the other, see the censorship that takes place to make the local government look good Um, because the stuff that I learned about things going on in the United States people in the U.S. didn't even know about while I was there so that was pretty fascinating Um, I had to fly back from Europe in early January because uh, we had a death in the family and so I came back and I was starting to to like this was on my this coronavirus was on my radar at this point I got really sick um, two days after I got off the plane from Montenegro um, to Toronto which is where um, the funeral was and I was sick for seven weeks I begged to be tested for coronavirus and nobody would test me I said you know I've been on five international flights um, in in the past well at the first visit in the past week I was on five international flights so I really think that I could have easily been exposed and they're like if you haven't been to China then you haven't been exposed I'm like do you understand how international flights work because you all go to a hub (laughs) and then you get on another plane but Nobody would test me for seven weeks. So I have no idea for sure if I had it, but I strongly think I did because I had all the symptoms, the high fever, the brutally painful lung, deep, dry cough. I mean, it was terrible. Um, So, of course, I was like, what the heck do I have? And in doing that research, I, I started learning more about the coronavirus and You know, as soon as they locked down 20 million people in Wuhan, I thought, no, this isn't a mild thing. They're not going to tank their economy for something that's mild. And, you know, that was something that was even too big for China to hide, the lockdown of 20 million people. So that was on January 23rd. And that's when I started getting really serious about the research of this. Um, you know, I've, I've watched one mistake after another happen with containment. And I mean, it's just been disastrous. The handling of this, I, I can't even wrap my brain around how bad it's been. I, I could not agree with you more. And you know what? I, I am suspicious I might have had my bout, except it was very short. 
Um, I had eye surgery last week, early last week, and uh, <laughs> uh, the day before, I was going to have my day in the sun and have fun. So an old, old friend of mine joined my wife and I, and uh, we had a beer, we had lunch, and we walk, We were walking to spring training game, and it was only less than a half mile away. Okay, So we're walking, and all of a sudden, I couldn't breathe. And I had the same bout the day before when I had been in the gym. And I just, and then I had this dry cough, like you explained, and I had a low-grade fever. And uh, it was no, it didn't get over 101, but I could not breathe for, for two days. And then the day after my surgery, I had the same problem. Now, I seem to be okay. I suspect I might have had some some brand of it, but a mild brand. But I know what you mean about the, the lungs. I've never experienced anything like this. I'm just walking, and all of a sudden, the air is totally out of my lungs. I'm not short of breath. Right. I'm not panting like I'd been running. I just couldn't get in the air. Yeah, yeah, and it felt like my. It felt like if, if you've ever been too close to a fire and breathed in, and it feels like your lungs are seared, or mm-hmm. like you open the oven and you breathe in at the wrong moment. That is what every single breath felt like for a week. It was excruciating. And I even went to an emergency room in Canada, and they didn't even take me in to see a doctor. They just said, oh, you just have the flu. Everybody's got it. And I had these bronchial spasms that when I inhaled to cough, made this like squeaking noise. Yeah, exactly. It was so loud that the nurse could hear it without a stethoscope, like just sitting across the room. And they're like, oh, it's the flu. Go on home. (laughs) Nobody ever tested me for the flu or anything else. So I went to that emergency room and to the doctor three times. And every time I explained my travel history, it wasn't until the last time I went in. When I was almost better, I just needed a refill of an inhaler. It wasn't until the sixth week that someone said, "Uh, I guess maybe you could get tested for that. You think? (laughs) And at that point, they were still charging us. And they said, it's $2,000 to get tested. In Canada? $2,000. You have to pay it up front. No, this was in the U.S. This was in Virginia. So they said, yeah, you can can go go to this hospital, but I do have to let you know they charge you up front, and it's $2,000 or so. I'm like, $2,000? I don't have $2,000 to spend on a test. That's the most After ridiculous thing. For seven weeks. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, yeah. I'm not surprised about Canada, funny. but the, the, this is this is obscene. Actually, Canada, I you know I lived there for 18 years um, because my my former husband was Canadian, so I lived there with my kids until he passed away. Um, we actually had excellent health care there. So I, I can't complain about Canadian health care. Um, mm. I know that you hear the horror stories, but I have nothing but good stories about it. That's so good. Because I, I have heard the that. horror story. I, I, I had a horror yeah. story in my own family involving a, a sister-in-law. Yeah, it was terrible. But uh, I won't go into detail because it really takes us off point. Yeah. But but um, anyway, back, back to the um, the coronavirus situation. I, I see no benefit for me now ever to get tested. And I'll tell you why. What are they going to do for me? Okay, maybe put me in a quarantine camp in a couple of weeks? No, thank you. Um, I'm just going to stay at home if I get it more seriously on a reinfection and, and just treat it at home because what, they have nothing they can do for you other than a ventilator, and those are in short supply. Right, right. 
Yeah, and I wasn't quite to the the ventilator point, so I, I decided the same thing. I didn't want to be on on some list of people being watched. Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> that probably sounds paranoid, but who knows? Like the hysteria is so great right now, and you know it's not hysteria for just no reason. There's a reason there is hysteria. But I've just been staying, you know, this whole time, I've just been staying at home. Um, After I was told I had the flu, then, you know, I flew from Canada to the United States um, to spend time with my other daughter because they told me, oh, this is no big deal. You just have the flu. Everybody has it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel terrible now looking back and thinking I probably had this. Yeah, I like I said, I suspect I did too. But um, I don't know how if I if I should be saying this publicly because I don't want the knock at the door. But um, you know, and I'm worried about if you're out and about, you could if you cough or sneeze or something, you could be uh, caught up in a dragnet and end up where you don't want to be. And so that that's yeah. re- that's really concerning. I don't know if you've bothered to look at what I've written and what Celeste Salam has written about FEMA medical camps, medical martial law. Have you seen any of that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, and they can just take you away for the slightest of sniffle, and they really don't need an excuse. The way everything's written, they're going off these old executive orders from Obama and George Bush. They can just snatch you because they want to, and there's no medical facilities at any of these camps. There's 17 federal agencies, and not one of them provides medical service. So to me, they're death camps. Yeah, it doesn't sound too good. It really doesn't. I just, uh, you know, if if I am at the point where I don't need to go to the hospital, I'd really rather deal with it myself. Exactly. And I'm not suggesting that people don't seek medical care because it's serious and it's really, really bad. But if you've got a milder case, you you can be smart enough to isolate yourself and keep from spreading it. Exactly. And are you practicing social distancing right now? Some degree, my I'm staying with my daughter, and her workplace is still uh, in business, so she goes to work every day. Um, so really, yes and no, because yeah. I, I really don't think that social distancing is that effective. I think lockdown is a lot more effective, and I'm not saying I want to see the whole country locked down, but I'm saying if you really want to avoid um, the coronavirus because maybe you have um, some kind of pre-existing condition or someone you love is immunocompromised, then you should lock down. You should not just social distance. You should nobody in, nobody out. Careful, Daisy. I got called an alarmist for saying that two days ago. Well, um. <laughs> you know, I've been called a lot worse than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that concerns me and, and when I discovered that most of our medicines are manufactured in China. Uh, I, I got very concerned about the supply chain. And I know the Baltic dry index is at an all-time low and continues to remain there. So, and, and you've really looked into this subject in great detail. So tell us what you've learned and what American people need to be concerned about. Um, the, the medical supply chain is incredibly worrisome, um, especially considering the fact that China has, in a roundabout way, threatened to not send um, medical exports to the United States. 
and they had on their government website um, this article about how the United States needs to apologize to them, you know, for saying that they had the virus there first. Um, it, it's just, oh, hang on, let me just read it to you. Um, if, and this is a translated version, so some of the wording is a little bit awkward. Um, they refer to it as crown virus or crown pneumonia, but that's the same thing as coronavirus. Um, if China retaliates against the United States at this time, in addition to announcing a travel ban on the United States, it will also announce strategic control over medical products and ban exports to the United States. Then the United States will be caught in the ocean of new crown viruses. Um, then it talks about how, according to the CDC, that the masks in the U.S. are made in China and imported from China, um, as well as a lot of the drugs. Um, so more than 90% of U.S. imported drugs are related to China. The implication is that at this time, as long as China announces that its drugs are as domestic as possible and bans exports, the United States will fall into the hell of a new crown pneumonia epidemic. Yeah, well, that's a declaration of war in my book. I think so, too. And then they said, but don't worry, we are filled with love. However, there is great love in the world. The Chinese people and the Chinese government have never done this. They have also not united, insulted the United States, nor have they yet banned the export of masks and medicine. Now, I kind of think that yet is a little worrisome. Then they said, the United States owes China an apology and the world owes China a gratitude. Without China's huge sacrifice and dedication, it would not be possible to win a precious time window for the world to fight against the new crown pneumonia epidemic. So, I mean, that's pretty much a direct threat. And you know that President Trump is not going to apologize mm. to the United States or to China for saying that this disease started in China. That's just not how, like, because it's true. It did start there. Well, it did. I mean, what are the Chinese thinking? I mean, it didn't start in Italy. It did not start in Africa. Didn't start in India. Yeah. It didn't start here. So how can they possibly say that it started there? You know, listen, I think it's a bioweapon. That's kind of irrelevant to where we're going with this. But the, regardless right. of what I think... The fact is, the origins in China, and let's assume benign purposes here, um, it doesn't matter where it started, and no one's blaming the Chinese for simply saying it started in China. It's an origination right. point. You know, and we got the Democrats saying, oh, this is racist. Give me a break. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing, really. Um, but, of course, the blame game doesn't really do any of us any good who right. are trying to get prepared for it. So I, I just thought that was very notable that they threatened to withhold these things. And, you know, if they're withholding medication, that's not just going to be medications for the coronavirus. That could be heart medication, um, insulin, all these things that are keeping people alive. I know. Uh, I medical know. equipment. I mean, it's, it's a vast thing to consider. And it's really quite terrifying. Well, I'm sure in the back um, channels I, I, that, that Trump, when he met with the ambassador from China on Monday, he laid out for him, hey, you do this, this is what we're going to do back to you. 
And I don't right. think we'll, I don't I think think we'll see this materialize. I, I really don't. Trump is not someone to back down to China. No, he's not. Um, but what I think is that this highlights a very important issue that many of us have been talking about for years. We have outsourced way too much. We rely way too much on a country that doesn't even like us. So maybe this will wake some people up into bringing these businesses back to the United States. I mean, medical stuff, that's a matter of national security. There is no good reason that this should be outsourced to China. Um, yeah, except YouTube doesn't agree with you because I published a, a video on this and they instantly demonetized it for daring to suggest we should manufacture our own medicines. Shows you, uh, shows you whose side they're on. Yeah, what an outrageous suggestion. I know. How dare I do that? How dare I yeah. think about people getting life-sustaining medication uninterrupted? <laughs> um, what was I possibly thinking? Of course, when you've murdered 76 million of your own people in the name of the Communist Party, it might be foreign thinking, and it just goes to show you who YouTube answers to. Yep, it sure does. Yeah, not just YouTube. It's Google. It's the the whole nine yards. And you've had trouble with the power establishment, too. I want to return to the supply chain chaos, but we kind of reached a natural turn here. And I'd like to ask you about your experiences with writing your latest book. First, tell us about the book and then tell us what difficulties you've encountered, which runs right into the same kind of mentality that we're talking about here. Right. Well, my friend Kat Ellis, who is the author of Prepper's Natural Medicine and Prepping for a Pandemic, both bestsellers in their category on Amazon, um, we worked together to put together a book. Kat wrote the book. I uh, got it ready for publication. I published the book. Um, it, it was a project that we worked on together. And I published it on my Amazon account, where I've published all of my books before. Um, after about three weeks of sales, um, after three weeks of being the number one bestseller in three categories um, and being in Amazon's top 500 overall, we suddenly got a message from them saying that our book um, had been suspended because it was misleading. And, you know, so I immediately replied and I'm like, I, what do you mean misleading? Let me let me fix this, you know? Is it something I wrote in the description? How can, how can I work this out? Um, they weren't really interested in working it out. So they gave us three different reasons that they were suspending the book. One was that it was misleading, which is just vague. Um, we ha still have no idea what was misleading about it because they never told us. Then the second one was that I had plagiarized the book from Cat Ellis. So I sent well, them a publishing with, yeah. contract. Yeah, I sent them our publishing contract, Kat's, a photo of Kat's ID, like a legal ID, you know, so they could see that it was really her, um, and a few other documents to prove that, you know, we had worked together on this, as well as her phone number and her contact information. So I sent that in. They said, we need a week to look at this. I mean, really, a week to look at three things? Come on. Then after a week, they said, I'm sorry, this is taking longer than we thought. So we need until the 19th, which is today. Well, yesterday I heard back and they said that they had decided that this did not meet their publication standards. So they would not be republishing the book and they blocked it. 
so okay i see that's uh, their decision it's their business but meanwhile a company called whale books out of south korea plagiarized our book not the whole book um but a good portion of it they plagiarized um the forward that i wrote they plagiarized the copy that i wrote describing the book on amazon i mean word for word they took everything they used our cover but like reverse the colors they used our title and just added the word china to it um so we filed a copyright infringement and they said that we filed it wrong so they weren't gonna do anything about it i don't know what i did wrong but they said i did it wrong so then we got an attorney to contact them and they said we have no proof you're their attorney and refused to deal with the, the attorney so this book is still up there. The plagiarized version of our book is still up there, but our book can't be published. Yeah, and it contains the same content? Not all the same content. They took our forward, and they took a few things in the middle. I didn't buy it because I didn't want to give them any money, but um, a couple of other people did just to take a look at it, and they said the rest is just like badly translated scientific studies it's not like it doesn't give any information about preparing but you know because the first part looks like ours because the title um, and the cover looks like ours it, it's very worrisome that people might think that's the book we put together so as soon as we realized that uh, Amazon's not going to put our book back up that was maybe a week in we turned it into a PDF and we're selling it from our website so you can still get the book that Amazon banned you just can't get it from Amazon wow wow yeah. I, I just I shaking my head at the gall I mean it's bad enough that they're practicing such bogus censorship on no, no grounds whatsoever but then to allow someone to profit from your work is inconscionable yeah it is I, I can't even wrap my brain around it. You know, I've published with Amazon since 2013, and up until this point, I have never had a complaint. I've never had difficulty working with the people at KDP. They've always been kind and friendly and helpful. Another thing that I noticed right as this began to happen was that KDP no longer had phone lines. Um, there was a message at the top um, that they were having an un unfortunate difficulty in certain countries and that you could only contact them by email. Which yeah. I thought that was very strange because before you could always call. If you had a KDP account, you could get to the number and call and speak with a human. Tell me what KDP is. KDP is Kindle Direct Publishing. That okay. is where you upload your book and Amazon does the print on demand and they do um, like the Kindle books. So it's a branch of Amazon. Um, well, to and me, it makes no perfect sense why you can't people. call them because they're probably censoring more people than just you and they don't want to deal with the volume. Very likely, very likely. Um, you know, my first thought was I noticed that on the day that they announced that somebody at Amazon had coronavirus. So I was like, maybe they're just like making people work from home and answer emails instead. I have no idea. But this has certainly uh, led me to distrust 
using that service again in the future. So we are seeking another print-on-demand publisher. I may be, yeah, because I'm contemplating writing a book too, but I will not be using Amazon based on your experience. Um, yeah, and, good luck. <laughs> and I just, I hope at some point that you sue them in small claims court because your damages are local. They're national too, but they're still local. And uh, then they got to show up. And then they got to answer yeah. what you're doing. They can't give you these vague statements. Um, the only thing I would suggest, and, and boy, you've given me, I'm making a mental note of this. We don't know that lawyer's your lawyer. Well, if you write a uh, certified note not- with a notary on it, this is my attorney. I don't see how they can ignore it because then the attorney speaks for you and then they're saying they're not talking to you. Right. Uh, you know, at this point, we've got so much to do because we really want to help people get prepared. Sure. We often to just publish it ourselves in PDF. I know lots of people would rather have physical. We can't make that happen right now. Um, we decided to focus on that and focus on helping people get prepared and circle back to this later. Because right now, I just feel like my energy is better spent not being curious with Amazon yeah, yeah. and helping people get prepared. So, you know, at some point, we are going to take steps to get this plagiarized book taken down, like further steps. But right now i i just feel like i need to be helping yeah people I, I hear you i hear you but just sitting here looking from afar in a perfect world um amazon's right? also complicit in this plagiarizing plagiarizing too they're, they're they're a partner in it i agree i agree i mean i'm curious about the whole thing well in the book give us a couple of highlights here what, what can people expect when they come to your site organicprepper.com to order it um, the book is really great. Um, Kat has written about pandemics. Uh, she wrote her first pandemic book in 2015. And one of the sections, she in, in the book Prepping for a Pandemic, she wrote about the um, illnesses that were most likely to be the next major kill a whole bunch of people pandemic. And one of them was coronaviruses. So she's been doing research on this topic for years, and that's part of the reason she was able to put this book out so quickly, was because it's her field of expertise. Um, So it's got a lot of historical information on how um, governments in the past have handled potential pandemics and the information that you get and the timelines um, so that you can kind of start to see the patterns Um, It's got great information on going into lockdown. It's got a very thorough explanation of the breakdown of the hospital system. I mean, it is loaded with good information. A lot of it is just knowledge, and then a lot of it is practical, how to get prepared for being in lockdown for heaven knows how long. I mean, we have no idea how long uh, we might end up having to isolate ourselves or something like this. Um, It talks about some herbal support if hospitals are just no longer available, if you have a loved one who is sick and you can't get them to the hospital. It's got a small section on herbal support. We're not talking about any kind of cures or anything like that um, because there isn't a cure for this this illness. Um, Really, all treatment is supportive. So we've got suggestions for supportive care. 
Um, but there are no bold claims. There are no crazy conspiracy theories. This book is fact-based. Well, <laughs> what's facts to one person isn't necessarily facts to big tech. That's true, true. one thing Although I've discovered. Every, you'll, you'll find there are, I think, probably 15 pages, pages of citations because she was so careful to use good sources like scientific research and you know studies from Harvard and studies from the Lancet to prove everything that she wrote. So you'll find there are a lot of citations in this book, and we did that purposely because we didn't want it to be the kind of thing where people said, oh, this is crazy. This is just, you know, this is just some whack job writing about conspiracy theories. This is all, all done through scientific research. So I, I don't know what the deal is. The only thing I can think of is maybe the title, because back when we first published it, everyone was calling it the Wuhan Coronavirus. So our original title was the Wuhan Co Coronavirus Survival Manual. But I don't see how it could be that, because there are other books with similar titles with China or Wuhan. And there are even books with people with pictures of Asian people in masks on the covers. So I don't think that our book is somehow xenophobic. <laughs> um, like that just doesn't even make sense. Um, there are, the other thing is there's a bit of criticism about how the Ebola crisis was handled, the gag order that um, was given to the media during the Ebola crisis. Um, that's why all of the Ebola coverage just kind of dropped off the radar after the first three or four people got sick. So, I mean, those are the only two things I can come up with. But if your readers can find something in there that we can say, oh, this is what they didn't want, we would love to hear from them. Yeah, I can think of a number of things, but I think you nailed it somewhat when you got into origination of disease. But there's something else, too, that they're hiding um, and I have a feeling that it's the way the power is going to play out here. So let me take you into a different area. Um, you know, sure. the supply chain is, is, is compromised. There's no question about that. And we have so much interwoven products with China. It's hard to find an industry where it's not going to have a large impact. But before I go into that next area, do you have a, a feel for timeline when the supply chain chaos will be uh, readily noticeable even by the most ardent people with cognitive dissonance? I mean, I think it's pretty noticeable already because um, I went into a, a city of about 150,000 to pick up some supplies this week. I had to pick up some prescriptions because I want to go ahead and fill everything I can, you know, before I maybe can't fill them anymore. So I went in to pick up some prescriptions and I walked around and, you know, a lot of stores only have like a few lights on because they're trying to save money. Mm -hmm. um, their merchandise is all bunched at the front and there are rows and rows and rows of empty shelves. Like there are bare spots in every single store that I went into. And I have a contact who is a manager of a Walmart superstore. And I, I don't want to go into what state or anything like that. And he has passed on me some memos um, letting me know how Walmart is handling this. And a while back, I wrote a story about, with, with the help of this 
source about how Walmart is going to be a distribution center when um, when it hits the fan. And it's really looking that way based on um, one of the presidential press conferences where he had the the head of Walmart and the head of Target and the head of CVS up there saying that. that you're still going to be able to get supplies from these places. So I think that that story was pretty accurate. So what my contact has said um, he showed me a picture of 15 minutes after they had opened on this past Saturday, and the shelves were all but bare. I mean, it looked like a horde of locusts had been through. There was basically nothing left. Um, then he said the trucks, you can no longer order. They're just dividing things up among the stores and sending what they have. He said, we used to get a truck every single day that was completely full. Now we're getting one every two or three days that it's half full. And he was really expecting things to be basically out of food by this week. So far, they have managed to keep some food on the shelves, as anyone who's gone to Walmart knows. But he's like, they can't keep doing this because there is basically nothing at the warehouse. They're just shuffling this stuff around. So I think people are going to, they're not going to notice it until there's literally no food. Yeah, I would agree. And, and also, too, I don't know if you've caught this or not, but there are moves being made inside the government to hand over all food distribution to the government. I did see that. Yes, yes. And, I mean, that just kind of plays into that press conference, doesn't it? Where it the does. Head of, CVS, Target, Walmart, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw that press conference. So these people are all going to get rich while everybody else does not. Everybody else has the opposite experience. I agree. The, the, the wealth transfer is of concern to me, too. But more concern to me is the tyranny that comes with this. This Number one, it's fascism. Number two, as we move into quarantines, and that's clearly coming, I, the stuff I'm getting from DHS and uh, across, across multiple agencies is that we're going to have extreme travel restrictions. John Moore has published on his site a travel please papers, like I said. And uh, clearly, mm -hmm. clearly, this is coming, and, and we're giving up. You know, liberty for security, which Ben Franklin warned us about. And who's to say that they're ever going to give back our constitutional liberties they're in the process of confiscating? I mean, I'm expecting at any point to see a Medical Patriot Act 2.0. Yes. That's just going to happen. And we all know that was supposed to be a temporary measure after 9-11. And if anything, it's only been strengthened. So... Any law they pass now, I don't really see it being rolled back. And, you know, I am really having a lot of difficulty with this for the reason that I know that, honestly, quarantines are necessary to get a handle on this so that we don't turn into Italy. But at the same time, I don't want to give up my freedom and my rights because somebody else told me to do it. So, I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a real conundrum, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I've been advocating for whenever you pass a law or have a provision that violates a civil liberty, you must put a sunset clause on it to say it will expire at this point. And they're not doing that. And this is what I think we need to be pushing for. 
Yeah, you know, that's actually a brilliant way to look at it. I, I like that a lot. Um, let's do that along with uh, some, some term limits. <laughs> Amen. Um, the other thing that concerns me, too, uh, early on, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were yeah, adamantly opposed to the demand that stimulus money was going to be spent to enhance uh, domestic um, medicine production in this country. You know, kind of a, a peacetime to wartime industry conversion, if you will. Um, where is that at right now? Are we are we actually making a conversion or have the Democrats been able to roadblock this? I do not know. I don't have the answer to that. I, I don't I've either. Interesting. It's planning to switch over to making ventilators, but I honestly don't know. Okay. I mean, that has kind of disappeared from the radar, really. Yeah, I know. And this is a question I've been asking. Um, I've asked people inside the government who give me good information and they're telling me, throw up my hands, Dave. I don't know the answer to that question either. Um, besides medicine and food, is there a third item on there that Americans will become extremely distressed about once the supply chain chaos is in full effect? I mean, toilet paper. <laughs> well, You're already seeing everybody freaking out over toilet paper. Oh, my gosh. You know, someone um, tell these people I mean, you got to eat food before you need the toilet paper. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I actually used the Amazon subscription toilet paper, and we had plenty put back, you know, for that very reason, just because it just regularly came to the house. But I... You know, the medicine, the food, I really think that the other thing that is starting to get through to people is how every place is looking like a ghost town. Mm -hmm. um, I was out yesterday briefly to um, take my daughter to and from work and because I just don't want her on public transit or anything like that right now. So I was out and streets that are usually super congested, there's like one or two vehicles on. Right. Restaurants all over the place are closed or they're only takeout. Um, you know, this has got to start getting through to some people that we are living in very unusual times. Well, the, the potential for the power shift to occur uh, from uh, a republic to a tyranny is certainly mm -hmm. in play right now. And this is one of my top concerns. Uh, tell the people right now that are listening what they should be doing in this moment going forward to best get through this crisis. Well, okay. At this point, there really aren't that many supplies that you can lay your hands on. If you can still get supplies, get what you can. Don't worry about these people calling us hoarders. They're just uh, mad because they didn't think of it in time. And if they had, we wouldn't be in this situation where the, the shortages are so obvious at this point. But get the supplies that you can and then start thinking outside the box of going to the store for things. Uh, start thinking about how you can produce things yourself, how you can mend things that, um, you know, need mending, repair things that need repairing. You need to shift your mindset immediately to there are no stores. Even though we still have them, you need to start thinking as though we don't because it could come to that 
for at least a period of time where you can't go to the store and replace things anymore. Um, so you've got that. Um, you need to start thinking about security and, and those measures. While everybody else is out there scrambling for food, you need to start thinking about how to secure your home against the people that run out of food. Um, that's a really, really big one. Um, you need to start thinking about things like water collection and getting your household prepared for, you know, just a future that looks really different than the present. I hope that we will be similar to Italy and China and that our utilities will keep running and the internet will still be on and all of that because it's going to be a lot easier for people to be quarantined if, you know, they still have power and water. Is it? Yeah, let me address the internet happens. and cell phone thing. If I, I guarantee sure. you, if the government turns those off, they're going to have crowd control problems, and they'll defeat the whole purpose of oh, quarantining. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think that they're going to want to keep the internet going because people are so reliant on it now. You know, we watch movies on it, we chat with our friends on it. That is something that's going to keep people a lot calmer for a lot longer. So I lean toward the fact that if they can at all, they're going to want to keep the Internet and the electricity and the water still going. Yeah, because there could be hunting parties formed. Remember, we have 400 million yeah. handguns in America. And I'm not saying that lightly, and I'm not advocating for it. I just know what human nature is like. And uh, yeah. here's the thing, Daisy, you and I, we work in these areas, you more than I in prepping, but we're aware of what's going on politically. To the average person that thinks CNN's telling everyone the truth, when the day of reckoning comes and they have to come to grips with their own ignorance, they're not going to have a measured response like we are right now. They're going to go from zero to no. 60 and all hell's going to break loose and the toilet paper fiasco is proof of this. Absolutely. You know, and I had an experience last week when people started kind of figuring this stuff out. And it, it's like such a strange little story. I was at um, a Kroger store and they always have these uh, frozen vegetable sales, 10 bags for 10 bucks. We make our dogs dog food because I don't really trust the stuff that goes into the kibble. There have been so many recalls. So I always put spinach, carrots, rice and beef. In, in the dog food. So I was getting some of these 10 for $10 bags of spinach and carrots. And there was a woman standing there glaring at me. And she said, are you going to leave any of that for anybody else? And so I said politely, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want some of this spinach? And I, you know, grabbed a few bags out of my cart to hand to her. And she said, no, I just think you're a bleep. And I said, okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Have a great day. And I, you know, continued to get my 10 bags of spinach and my 10 bags of carrots because I want my dogs to be, you know, fed their high quality food for as long as I can. But that is just like a glimpse into the way people are looking at those of us who have prepared and who understand what's going on. Well, what she's saying to you is, is I, I feel stupid because I'm not prepared and how dare you be prepared. Right. Yeah. We're going to start seeing the word hoarding thrown around a whole lot more. 
and it's likely going to become criminalized. Well, that's an interesting prediction, and I think you're probably right. Do you know, there was an incident that I think Bear's bringing up right now. About 11 years ago, one of my former college basketball players calls me on the phone, panicked. This is a man who's 6'8 and weighed about 250. And he said to me, Coach, what's FEMA? I go, what do you mean, what's FEMA? Now, he knew I had a radio show. And he says, FEMA's going through my house right now. And I said, what do you mean they're going through your house? They came to the door. They demanded to come in and see how much food I had. And when I told them I wouldn't let them in, they pulled a gun on me. And he goes, and they parked their SUV right on my lawn. And he barged their way in here. And they didn't go to the kitchen. They're in the pantry right now, pulling everything out and counting it. We aired this on my show. And uh, then I got about 50 calls from people all through the southeast where this happened. And you bring up the hoarding aspect. Well, I talk to people in DHS, and they tell me if they want to come get something out of your house, they can do it. Yeah, I mean, that's really worrisome, isn't it? It is. And we have no defense for it. Um, I'm putting up signs right now, you know, that are going to go in my yard. It says, uh, step across this line, the red dot's already on you. Um, and yeah. I'm not messing around with this. I'm not a violent person, but I'm going to do what I need to do to protect my family. And that also means the feds. If they're going to cross the line and take away life-sustaining um, um, materials, resources that we need, they need to be uh, challenged. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um <laughs> I, I see it, though, the writing is on the wall, because I, I wrote an article about this, too. Preppers are already being vilified. Um, anyone who's out there shopping heavily is also being treated this way. Um, like, they're the ones causing all of these problems. And we all know that's not the issue. We didn't cause these supply shortages. I know. Well, we can talk about orchestration. That's a whole different story and a different show. But, but um, clearly, uh, you know, governments. You know, this is something from political science, and it's true. the 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 main purpose of a government is to maintain its power with a minimal amount of resistance. And the longer a government's in power, the more power it seeks to have. And the founding fathers knew this when they created federalism and separation of powers. But we're at a stage now where we're becoming an aging nation. And right now, our continuity of government policies, they don't care about you and me. You're your own first responder. They care about self-preservation. That's what I'm seeing going on. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. I know. And, and, and I think we're really witnessing the very strong potential of the end of our republic as we know it. Have you addressed that in any of your writings, that uh, the resource issue and the way it's handled is really going to be representative of what's going to happen with our civil liberties? No, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. It is something that I've been thinking about, but I haven't quite uh, haven't quite gotten the, the thought fully formed enough to write about it yet. I did write about preppers being vilified for um, hoarding. Um which I just find that crazy. Oh, yeah. And you know, anyone who's a prepper, we saw this coming a mile away. I have um, a Facebook group. It's, we no longer allow anybody else in because um, we, we've got about 3,000 people who all seem to manage to get along. And when it started getting bigger than that number, um, you know, trouble 
was was kicking in so we just closed it and we've actually had to remove a few people who have said oh it's very selfish of you to go by this and to go by that because that's not what we're all about we're all about it is your responsibility to take care of your family yeah it is and and this supersedes government authority um you know my uh (laughs) my basic needs come before your need to take my resources and do whatever you will with it and this is what i see as the biggest danger right now and uh, we didn't even get into vaccine checkpoints and all that stuff that's beginning to surface i mean this is real i mean i'm not just throwing a rumor out there i mean this stuff is seriously being talked about inside federal agencies i mean this is a topic they have in their briefings and uh this is concerning about vaccines and I am not a scientist, but to my knowledge, it isn't really possible to make a vaccine for an illness that doesn't create antibodies. You can get COVID-19 more than once. There are multiple studies that say people are getting reinfected with COVID-19. If you can get it repeatedly, I am 90% sure that you can't make a vaccine for something like that. Like vaccines are, I'm, I'm not a vaccinate for everything proponent, but my understanding is that vaccines are generally for things that you can only get once. So like measles or mumps or whooping cough, you can't get those over and over. Once you've got it or once you've had it, you can't get it again. And, and that is kind of the science behind it. So if this is something you can get over and over again, how could vaccines possibly be made for this? I'm just curious. Did you address this at all in your book? Um, no. Okay. No, because at the time we wrote the book, it was mid-February. And I don't believe at that point we knew that you could get it more than once. But I would have to check. Um, I don't think we talked about that at all in the book. The only reason I ask is I was just looking for a potential reason yeah, for the reason. censorship. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I guarantee you um, there's big money to be made in the coming vaccines that are going to be mandatory. And and uh, that, that could have triggered something. But, yeah, it's interesting. I, I can't wait to read your book. And one of the things I'm going to be looking at besides the good tips you're giving is why did they censor this? I'm going to yeah. put, put my detective eyes on this and see what I come up with. Yeah, because what, what Amazon's doing is criminal. I mean, you know, partnering with a plagiarizer, not talking to your attorney. Um, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. Um, I want to go back over to how people can follow your good work. Um, you've got your website, okay. organicprepper.com. And then talk about yeah. your book now and how it's going to be made available to people. Okay, um, the first or second article on the homepage is the book right now. Um, It's about Amazon banning it, and there's a link you can click to buy the book in that article. Um, The other thing is across the top menu, we have got a topic called Pandemic Watch. All of our pandemic articles are in that section. So if that's what you want to read as opposed to other kinds of stuff, Click on Pandemic Watch, and you'll get like 30 of our latest articles. That's awesome. That's such a great, great service that you're doing. Um, (laughs) I'm really glad I can help. 
Well, yeah, it's, it's something that people need. But see, here's what bothers me. You have been so consistent in what you've said. I don't mean for weeks or months. I mean years. And it's just like ignoramus is, oh, that day will never come. You know, this is what I admire about the leadership of the LDS church. And I'm not LDS, so this isn't something that I have a fight in, okay? But the LDS church tells its people you have to have a year of stuff because they've been through persecution. They understand the history of it. And, and they've tried to prepare their people for it. And it, it's like if you haven't been victimized, uh, your group hasn't been victimized, it's like people think it's never going to happen to them. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, another article I wrote was that it's actually hitting the fan, and somehow I can't quite believe it. I don't know if you've had that feeling of unreality. Yeah, yeah, Even I though have. I've been writing about this for years, and I'm you know what, Daisy? Daisy, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know what? You know what this is hitting the fan? We're at the end of the show, and if I don't sign off, I'm going to get oh. cut off. But you've been <laughs> wonderful. Daisy's book is at The Organic Prepper, and I encourage you to visit that site every day. Daisy, you're a delightful guest, an informative guest, and I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. I love being on your show. Thank you, Daisy. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, Daisy Luther, and we'll see you back here next time.